So welcome to our broadcast today. Today we are discussing all things about sending children back to school during the height of the coronavirus pandemic. My name is Adam Hawking. I'm a writer in the communications department at Marshfield Clinic Health System. And our guest today is Dr. Edna DeVries. Dr. DeVries has been a practicing pediatrician for over 30 years and currently the pediatric service line medical director for Marshfield Clinic Health System. Thank you, Dr. DeVries, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So if I could just start real general, what are your sort of top takeaways or top thoughts about the idea of of opening schools for in-person instruction this year? Yeah, so probably twofold main thoughts come to mind. First is that I know parents are very um, anxious in a positive way, looking forward to having their kids back in the classroom, right? I think a lot of people could relate um, to that, that the kids need that socialization and to, to be back in the classroom. And then the second definitely is that, you know, are we uh, creating a safe environment for them to go back to school? And and do you have a sense, it's probably different all over the country, but do you have a sense of just how safe it is right now for our communities to, to have kids in person? Yeah, you know, I think that you're right. It, it does vary depending on the geography and what's happening at the time. So it is a very fluid situation in general in this area. It seems that our numbers have leveled out. They're, it's still very much present. But we do hope that with proper techniques, we're able to, to keep any negative impact, you know, to a minimum. Sure. And I know schools are doing all kinds of things to get ready, whether it's partitions between students or masking or alternating days where kids are in class. So you have less kids in class. What, what precautions should kids themselves be taking besides the obvious masking and hand washing? Yeah, so um, those are big ones. So we definitely want to emphasize that, you know, that the hand washing is so important. And certainly before they eat, before they're touching their mouth and, and after. And then masking is just a critical component where we keep our own germs to ourselves. So, but additionally, things that we wouldn't normally think of, like, you know, maybe sharing uh, school items, you know, I think we'll, we will want kids to have their own water bottles and not be drinking necessarily out of the water fountains. So some of those things where we previously would have encouraged children to be sharing and, and um, helping each other in that way, we'll have, we'll have the kids kind of keep their, their items to themselves. Sure. And I'm interested, too, in the um, emotional component. I I have a seven-year-old, and this whole thing is is hard for him to understand. Even my three-year-old knows the word coronavirus. But I think it's hard for these kids to understand exactly what's happening. And I know for my oldest, for about a month at the beginning of the pandemic, he didn't want to even be in a room by himself alone. It it really kind of gave him the creeps. So what about the emotional component of kids going back to school if they're afraid afraid or if they have anxiety? What would you say to, to both kids and parents? Yeah, I think that um, it's important to definitely be having those conversations and trying to meet them at their level. So trying to understand what it is it that they are worried about. You know, our adult minds, we may be thinking one thing and have a huge explanation. And in a kid's mind, it might be something small. So I think first trying to really inquire with them. And then I, I do think that 
uh, kind of talking about it, helping them to visualize what it's going to look like, that the that the desks are going to be, you know, spread further apart, you know, how, that the teachers will be staying a little more distant from them. If you know how they're going to set up as far as lunchtime, will they be eating in their classrooms as opposed to going to a cafeteria? As much information, I think, as you can get from the school to understand what what the flow and process is going to be like for them is important. The other thing I would say is that have them start practicing wearing their masks. So it's one thing for us to mask on and off when we're just like running into the store as adults. It's another thing to have to wear a mask for, you know, several hours at end. But it's amazing how we can adapt and get comfortable with that, but is something that definitely requires some practice. Sure. And, and kind of dovetailing off that, if you're concerned that your child's school is not taking enough precautions or you'd like to see more done, is that something you should be taking to the, the principal, the superintendent, the, the, your, your, your child's teacher? How do you kind of suggest going about that? Uh, I guess um, depending on the level that you feel where the concern is, if it's more of a concern in the classroom that maybe you're not seeing practices adhered to, it's always nice to first address that person, you know, maybe connect with the teacher. If it's more of a school-wide policy, that would be something it would seem to be take it up a little higher on the, on the ladder, whether the principal, probably the principal would be a good first step. Okay. In terms of, of sending kids to school in the morning are there things that parents should be doing to to screen should we be taking you know their temperature every morning should we be checking in with them about potential symptoms what's your what's your kind of direction there Yep, I think that is good. Probably both before bedtime, how they're doing, but then certainly in the morning, I think it is fair. Kids don't always articulate to us that, hey, they're not feeling well or, you know, if they're running a fever. So I think it is smart to take their temperature in the morning before they're off to school and just, yeah, give them a good look over how they're feeling. How did they eat breakfast? And, and certainly children with any symptoms, we absolutely would recommend that they stay home. So that is very different than in past years where, you know, boy, kids would have a common cold, kids would have the sniffles, and they would be off to school with minor symptoms. Because the coronavirus or COVID-19 symptoms are so similar to other mild illnesses, particularly in children, they are going to need to be staying home more than we would have in the past. And I can imagine there's there's some concern with, you know, a, a parent, you know, is thinking to themselves, we've been so safe, you know, that, that we definitely haven't exposed the kids to COVID or we don't think we have. And they have, you know, a, a slight temperature in the morning. I can see where parents would want to just give that child some Tylenol and send them along to school. But I think what you're saying is if there's any symptoms at all, that, that child needs to stay home. That's correct. We really do have to. We have to protect each other. You know, who knows if that if your child had gotten the infection from someone else. The symptoms are so um, similar to a lot of other common illnesses. We just have to have that extra precaution. Okay. And and as a parent myself, we we chose the virtual option for our. He's going to be a second grader. Okay. Which was a hard decision for us. But can you kind of juxtapose those two things of what are the, you know, you mentioned the, the needed social interaction, which is, which was the hardest thing about the decision for us is that we're worried our children are not getting that, but, but we were also so concerned with the virus, you know, and we have two sets of grandparents that live in Marshfield as well. So how do you kind of balance what, what the kid needs versus 
you know, smart action during a, a pandemic? Sure, that's an excellent question. And I, I think that in every situation is is truly unique. And you really do weigh that balance of the uh, need for that social interaction or ability to provide social interaction in a different way with you know, again, the in, in school, some of the children need extra services. They may need extra therapy services, speech, you know, physical therapy, occupational therapy. That may be where they receive two meals a day. And so I think every situation is really very unique. And as you know, you know, if your household is with, has other family members or nearby, that would put those family members more at risk, then that's an important consideration as well. And so I do think that you weigh all those pieces and you come up with the best decision for your family. Sure. Do you have any thoughts about how kids can, you know, if they're not, especially if they're not going back to school, but even during this this summer period where school is out, how they can get some of that social interaction. I know my kids are occasionally FaceTiming with their friends, but they really haven't been able to see them in in person. Okay, yeah, you know, and so certainly electronic means are one way. You know, the other would be if you could feel confident with another family or two, maybe that's doing the same thing, that's doing virtual school, and even say, hey, we're gonna do a 14-day pure isolation, and then those those couple other families are kind of in your bubble, and where then you would feel like they're being very careful, your kids can play together, and we're still keeping those grandparents safe. I mean, so that is one thing that I think, you know, families are are looking at of how there may be a smaller set of other children that their kids can play with. Great. One thing I've heard a lot from, you know, on social media and parents all around the country are saying, you know, right now at this time, especially if they're working from home with their kids, their kids are getting so much screen time because the parent is working and, and simply cannot you know, split. You, there's only one of you. You know, if you're if, if there's only one of you at home, especially. What's kind of your take on screen time at this moment? I've heard people say, "Don't worry about it right now," and I've heard the opposite. What What's your take? I think we have to be practical. So I can totally empathize with the parents who are working at home and trying to have their kid go to you know be on virtual school. So I you know. I think we have to be practical. So I don't know that you say, well, throw it out the window, but kind of, sure. <laughs> you know, and maybe being careful on what they're doing in their screen time, in their screen time and, and, and being more mindful of, of that. But I mean, I think the reality of the amount of minutes, we just have to be realistic and we're hopeful this isn't going to go on forever. And so this is going to be a very unique year. And so, you know, we'll, we got to get, I'll get through it together. Sure. And I know, you know, years from now, much will be written about this this period in history, you know, and I, I am curious, it, it's, it's probably conjecture at this point, but what you think the maybe the long term effect of this period in time could be on on a child's development? Uh-huh. You know, boy, that is, that's a very difficult question. So I would have a yeah, hard time okay. answering that for, for sure. But I think that over time, you know, especially children are so adaptable, you know, with loving parents, no matter in what mode they are in their learning environment, you know, we're going to get through this and, and gradually adapt on the other end. You know, one of the things that's, that's, 
you know, stressful is that flu season and other respiratory illnesses, that, that season is coming up. Can you talk about the importance of kids getting vaccinated for the flu and taking precautions against those things that are, that are not COVID-19? Yeah, thank you for asking that. That is so important. And we certainly know that um, when COVID hit the United States, you know, four or five months ago, um, we really locked down our clinics and things. And, and so there was a decrease in our immunizations. And it's so important now that we are getting children back in for their preventative visits, for their well-child visits, and for their immunizations. You know, boy, the last thing we want is an outbreak of a different uh, vaccine-preventable disease to happen at this point. And so we absolutely want children in for their immunizations. The flu vaccine is very important. We know that it's effective in decreasing the severity of illness as well as the risk of like hospitalization and even death from influenza. So it's not a perfect vaccine, but it is effective in helping to, to decrease decrease the risks and severity. So we definitely want our children and, and adults um, immunized against influenza as one less thing that is potential to you know, cause significant illness. And certainly we know with influenza, our bodies are more run down if you have that illness and you would be more susceptible to getting another infection such as the mm -hmm. coronavirus. And you brought up well-child visits. That's an interesting topic for me because, you know, it, it partly seems like when this all started for our country, you know, six, seven months ago, we kind of shut everything down, even though there were limited cases. And now we have many, many more cases, but we're kind of opening back up, which seems a little counterintuitive, but also, you know, maybe it's that we have a little bit of, of a handle on masking, social distancing, the things that we need to be doing. But in general, what are your thoughts on kids coming in now for routine stuff? Yeah, um, the other thing that we are now in better position for is all of our um, protective, the PPE, protective personal equipment. And so, you know, coming into the clinic, we are, you know, having our patients masked, we're masked and have eye shields. We have proper cleaning techniques for the room. So actually, I think right now, it is a very safe environment to be in in the clinic. And so we take all those extra precautions. We definitely want the children to come in for those preventative visits and their immunizations. Where we're able, we also are able to do telehealth visits. So um, like we're talking here that we can do with video and audio. And for a number of different conditions, that's a very feasible way to have an office visit with your physician or practitioner. I, you hit on masking a little bit earlier. I wanted to touch on it a bit more because it's been so contentious in a lot of ways. Can you just kind of talk through the science of, of why masks are important and what the effect of, of wearing a mask is? Sure. Yeah, masks are very important. They really allow us to protect each other. So we really wear a mask for the other person. So when we have our facial coverings, it is to keep our germs to ourselves, both the good germs and the bad germs. And so we know that that, that is a, a very important method of decreasing transmission. So it really, yeah, it is, as you said, it's very unfortunate that it has become so politicized because it is, it is just a basic barrier method um, where we can help, you know, keep, keep germs from spreading. 
You know, so use of the masks, again, as we were talking about, is so important to help provide that barrier of exchanging the germs. And really, there aren't very many reasons why a person couldn't wear a mask. So we know that the small children, the under two, um, we definitely do not recommend wearing a mask. Any person that isn't able to take off the mask themselves, so if they have some kind of a physical restriction where they weren't able to or cognitively weren't able to take off their mask, they shouldn't have a mask. On. And then there really are not very many other um, ex- exclusions. Even somebody who has asthma, if they have controlled asthma, should be wearing a mask and maybe even more so because we sure want to protect them from other viruses and things. It, probably the best advice to give regarding mask wearing in children is to give them an opportunity to practice wearing the mask. So again, it's not something that feels natural at all. They have your nose and your mouth covered, but with an adequately sized mask, I think also we learn to maybe breathe through our mouth a little more. And, and over time, it becomes maybe more second nature. Can you talk about the role of, you know, and you mentioned a, a lot of kids are in a position where you know, they're getting two, you know, healthy meals a day at school. But if you're, you know, on the all virtual platform or half and half, maybe those those nutritious meals aren't as readily available, especially with parents working and busy and whatever the situation might be. Can you talk about the importance of getting kids active and adhering to at least some sort of reasonably healthy diet during this period? Yeah, I think yeah, exercise is very, very important. So whether a child is doing virtual school or whether they're in the classroom, um, that'll be important that that's part of the daily routine. I think at home, kids who are in virtual school, you'll really want to have regular break times where they can get out and run around or get in the basement and run around. And so having that physical activity, we definitely, you know, we really stress that 60 minutes a day. It doesn't have to be all at one sitting or all at one running, but uh, that throughout the course of a day that they get adequate physical activity. As far as um, nutrition, you know, that is so important. And I think even the kids who are perhaps are in a virtual option, we know that our um, school districts and a lot of our community resources are in place where, you know, we would encourage a family if that is an area they're struggling to reach out. You know, they could reach out to Marshfield Clinic Health System and we would help navigate and find resources um, if they're struggling themselves. And then, you know, at home, so as uh, the kids in virtual school that are having lunch lunch at home, again, encourage the fruits and vegetables and healthy, healthy diet, taking little breaks for those younger kids, sort of the preschool or younger grade school kids that may need, you know, some snacks inter, intermixed there and try to make those healthy snacks. So are there, you know, obviously people have, the, uh, you know, the internet, social media, they have uh, a ton of ways to gather information about how to navigate this pandemic. Are there other sort of specific resources, particularly for parents and kids going back to school that you would suggest? Our Center for Community Health Advancement has put together a very nice brochure for parents that gives some great information, has some wonderful links actually even into other trusted resources. And you can check out those those, uh, resources on our website. That's great. Well, I, you know, I thought this was an excellent discussion. It, it's a lot of questions that I think are are on the minds of, of parents across this country. Um, so I thank you, Dr. DeBreeze, for, for joining us. I think this was really instructive 
um, um, for those parents. And, and we want to thank everybody that tuned in to watch this. Uh, it's so important for all of us to be on the same page in terms of the things we're doing to keep each other safe. So the more we can talk about these things, uh, the better for, for all of our communities. Absolutely. And thank you. And thank you for um, helping, helping get the word out. So it's appreciated.